0: Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. The Chicago City Cast is presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting, and it has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same game parlays in all of the pro football matchups, plus, they're bringing back the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million beat the spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bets. This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke presented by BetRivers. What's happening, people? Welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers, Dandy Burke here. As always, your host, getting you ready for Monday night football Bears and Vikings. So much to cover in this episode, not only with the Bears and the Vikings game. Naturally, the last time we talked was Friday, so the lines have altered since then with the newest additions to the COVID-19 protocols for the Bears. Vikings really haven't been plagued by it too much, but we'll still discuss all the injuries involved in this game we've got a ton of player props to go through maybe not a ton i guess but in terms of the ones we are officially making as our bets a lot that i like for this game so we'll unravel that we'll talk anytime touchdown scoring which players stand out in that regard updated lines first half all that good stuff and hey we got a bowls game too so if the Bears can't come through for us, Chicago fans, well, maybe the Bulls can do it in an advantageous spot against the Rockets. Not advantageous in the sense that it's on the second leg of a back-to-back, but it is the revenge angle from dropping it to Houston earlier this season. Now you get them at home. Bulls are about a seven-point favorite. We'll talk more about that game in the second part of this episode. But a lot to get into. I'm, I'm debating whether or not, I should save something for the next episode and and, and focus solely in on the bears here, but I guess because it's a little bit fresh and new, I just wanted to spend some time talking about it because a lot of people seem to differ on this and it is going to continue to be the hot topic of conversation throughout the NFL. So if you don't care to hear any more about this, feel free to skip through to where I get into more of the diagnosis of the Bears game, but I wanted to spend some time talking about the Ravens and their decision to go for two. Now I get it. A lot of people are mad because Harbaugh went for two when you could easily tie it. You got the best kicker in the game and Justin Tucker, and the last time they did it, it did not work. Here's the thing. You don't just simply go to overtime with Aaron Rodgers with a backup quarterback in a defense that's already missing their top corners against an Aaron Rodgers offense that has already scored 31 points and expect to win that game. Would you rather have the opportunity to score from the two-yard line with seconds left in the game or tie it up, give Aaron Rodgers 40 more seconds, And if he doesn't get it there, give him a chance in overtime 50-50 proposition. Even if you win the coin flip, who's to say you don't punt it or kick the field goal? I would, and you still have to, and if you do get it first, you're still trusting Tyler Huntley to presumably drive the ball 75 yards down the field and score a touchdown. All of that after coming back from, what, 15 points in that deficit? The reason you go for two is because you've already done so much to climb up that mountain to get back and then to have to tie it and then go to overtime and assume you can still keep climbing that mountain, the chances are not high. Overtime is where dogs go to die. They were almost a double-digit underdog with a backup quarterback where their entire defense is pretty much missing against Aaron Rodgers, one of the most clutch athletes of all time. So I get it. If you say you want to tie, you know, play the game, take a risk, what do you think going for two is? That is absolutely the same thing. You're telling me you want to risk giving Aaron Rodgers a chance again in a tie game with 40 seconds and then maybe giving him a chance in overtime again? Either he gets the coin flip or you don't get a touchdown? Going for two is the right call. The chances the Ravens could do all of that to come back and then still stop Aaron Rodgers in regulation and then still stop him in overtime and then get a touchdown score out of Huntley? Well, you don't need a touchdown, you need a field goal. Well, yeah, but you still have to stop Aaron Rodgers in that case if that's the reason. People are saying you have the best kicker in the league. You think a field goal is going to be the difference maker against Aaron Rodgers in this game? Hell no. He's going to score a touchdown if you don't. You can't guarantee that. Are you kidding me? It is Aaron Rodgers, one of the most clutch athletes of all time. So I don't want to hear it anymore, and I know we're going to, and I get it. you know. I'm not saying that I don't respect your argument if you're on the other side, because I do, and I get playing the safe card and taking your chances, but are you telling me that every player on that team, or at least the majority, about 85% or more, who's playing for Harbaugh didn't agree with that decision? You heard Keenan Allen saying he would want to be on the field being the difference maker rather than relying on a kicker, and I'm paraphrasing, but the players want to be the ones to control the narrative of this game and the outcome of this game instead of relying on the kicker. I'm not saying they don't trust Justin Tucker, but that's not the point. The point is I bet everybody on that offense, Huntley included, wanted to go for two. Should they have gone for two earlier instead of in that spot? Yes. Should they had a better play call? Yes. Did they have Hollywood Brown open in the end zone and miss it? Yes. All of those things are true. But going for two was not the wrong decision. That's what you do in that spot. And look, again, Justin Tucker, best kicker in the league. Cool. What is that going to do in overtime? Because you still have to stop Aaron Rodgers. You still have to get yourself in field goal position. Tyler Huntley was having a great game. Yeah, he was having a really good game. But in the air, Aaron Rodgers was having a better game. Because the Ravens secondary is absolutely just blown up with injuries. Whatever it is, they were decimated. And it's easy in hindsight to go, well, they should have done it. You know, hindsight big time when you're doing that. Like that's a difference too. I feel like when you know the analytics side of it doesn't work, and then everybody just goes nuts about it. But when it does work, you don't hear a peep out of it. Naturally, going, okay, you know what? Maybe that was the right call. Look, say what you want. I if I'll take Harbaugh as my coach any day of the week, and with and I will live with that decision. As Bears fans, we know if you have the opportunity to beat Aaron Rodgers, you do it, especially if there are seconds remaining. You don't gamble and hope that you can stop him in regulation, hope that you can get the ball in overtime, hope that you can stop him in overtime, hope that you can score a touchdown in overtime. And you're probably thinking, well, if you are already assuming that he's going to drive down the field in regulation. Why wouldn't you just take the extra point? Because at that point, you're still going to, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're up by one or tied, if he's still going to do it, you'd rather have the lead versus not having it. So again, my point being is you have to realize who the man on the other side of the field is, and that's Aaron Rodgers. You have to realize how much effort it takes to come back from that big deficit with the backup quarterback. Okay, Aaron Rodgers has been sitting there this whole time just ready to go. If you have the opportunity to beat Aaron Rodgers, you take it from the two-yard line. All right? That's just it, plain and simple to me. Would you rather trust Tyler Huntley driving 75 yards down the field or two yards right there? And if you're trusting your defense enough in overtime against Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to trust him with 40 seconds in regulation? Like, what? What are you talking about here? That was the right decision made by Harbaugh to go for two. It was. And you could say, no, it wasn't because they didn't get it. Okay, well, easy. Hindsight, yes. It's not going to work 100% of the time, but that doesn't mean that they still wouldn't have lost. And a good tweet, I actually retweeted this earlier, um, involving just, I mean, it, all the tweets about this are hilarious, but Aaron Schatz, who does DVOA, I believe he was the creator of it, of uh, Football Outsiders, yeah, and so he's just obviously one of the top guys with analytics. Always use DVOA. We reference it a lot. But he was he tweeted out, he goes, reading the responses to a lot of the coaching decision discussions over the last few days, it's clear that a lot of fans believe that going to overtime and winning the game are synonymous. And he's right. that That is the case with a lot of these people talking about it. If you tie the game, you're not guaranteed to win it. You think you give yourself a better chance to win, I don't think you do. The better chance to win is taking the play from the two-yard line and then not going to overtime and giving the quarterback another chance, presumably. Yes, he still would have got the ball at the end of regulation. I'm aware of that. But like I'm saying, if you can trust them in overtime, you have enough faith to trust them in overtime where there's a lot more time and timeouts, then you should trust them in regulation. And if you don't, well then, case in point, you should go for two there and just try to get the win because then you're pretty much screwed regardless. Harbaugh made the right decision. And I know a lot of people disagree, and that's fine. We're all going to die in our separate hills, and people really aren't going to be altered otherwise with their decision-making or their thought process on it. And that's okay. That is okay. And there are right times to do it and wrong times in terms of when you're actually taking it into context. Like, if you want to make the argument, well, you go for two if you have Lamar Jackson and maybe not Tyler Huntley. I don't fully agree with that, but I understand the basis of that argument more. I mean, Huntley was playing well enough. He got you to that position. And again, if you're going to trust him in overtime, you could probably trust him from the two-yard line. It's a hot topic, and I love slash hate the debate around it because it's hysterical, it's comical, and both have legitimate reasons and cases to each side. But there's a reason why there's analytic departments. There's a reason why these guys are crunching these numbers and doing this research. They're not just guessing. They're not just hoping for the best. Like, there are statistics to back it. And old heads are going to hate it, and that's fine, and it's the new way of doing things, and that's why Brandon Staley is loved slash hated by so many people. I don't know if he's hated but disliked in his decision-making, but that's why you see his players stepping up to follow him for it. Keenan out saying no we were fine with those decisions and you know I know everyone's ragging on him at the end of the first half and that might be true I mean there are some right times to do it and wrong times to do it but for the most part and especially against Aaron Rodgers when is settling for an extra point tying the game or kicking field goals going to beat a guy like Aaron Rodgers? I preach about that all the time against top quarterbacks with the Bears when they just can't execute. When when is settling going to win a game? When is anything in life when you're just being complacent and just content with, oh, yeah, I'll just tie it up here. Oh, I'll just do the bare minimum. When has that ever been the reason to have success or overcome something that is probably superior than you in a sense? You have to do something outlandish. You have to do something different. You have to put it out in the line, take risks, be adventurous to get to your highest potential, to overcome something that is above you. The only way you do that is by being unique, taking risks, making those opportunities as available to you as possible and taking advantage of it. If you don't get it, guess what? You get back up and you try it again because you're not going to beat top guys like Aaron Rodgers by settling by kicking extra points, by settling for three points. You're not going to beat Tom Brady that way (laughs) except in the last game because they lost half of their offense. Field goals did win that game. But you understand my point here. Anything in life, you can fall to the crowd. You can, you know, it's kind of like the sheep argument, whatever it is. And I'm kind of over-exaggerating at this point. But what I'm saying is that you can do what everybody else does, and that's fine. But the people who stand out, the teams who stand out, the players who stand out, the coaches who stand out, do things differently, take risks. You know who did that? Doug Peterson. You know who won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback? Doug Peterson. You know who he beat? Tom freaking Brady. Was it also the demise of his career? In a sense, maybe. He could have got a little bit too crazy with it, but I'm sure he's going to land a head coaching gig. Maybe not sure, but I think there's a decent chance he does. There was even rumors he could come to the Bears. Which, not a fan of, per se, as we're putting it out there. I mean, that just seems kind of like a naggy 2.0 with a little bit more common sense. But that's the thing. You don't beat a guy like Tom Brady if you're Doug Peterson without doing crazy things like he did. With a backup quarterback. And that was the Ravens situation, in a sense. So, yes, in my opinion, Harbaugh has made the right decisions in those spots. It is easy to pile on Because of the recency bias with it. But at the end of the day, let's have this conversation at the end of the season, in the postseason, and see what happens in those situations. Let's see how the top guys get eliminated if they do from what their underdog opponents did. Again, I think the clip is like over 70% of teams that are underdogs end up not covering in overtime, losing, whatever it is, outright. But remember, you're climbing the mountaintop to build back against Aaron Rodgers. You think that momentum's going to carry after you give Rodgers 40 seconds, after you maybe win the coin flip in overtime. Like there's a lot of pause in between there. The momentum just doesn't still carry there. You just did so much. You're exhausted. You're like, oh, we finally did it. We tied the game. It's like a sigh of relief. And then you have to go sit back, stress out that your defense can stop Rodgers in regulation, stress out that you get the ball first in overtime. And if you don't, stress out that your defense has to stop him again and hopefully limit him to a field goal or force him to punt, which probably ain't going to happen. And I could talk about this for a while, and I could I'm sorry because I'm ranting about it so much, but I had to get it off my chest, and it's hard to rant about it so much with the limited characters on Twitter. But at the end of the day, Harbaugh made the right choice. Trust your guys. Have faith in your guys. I'd rather do that and see guys like Matt Nagy not go for it on fourth and inches, not go for it on fourth and goal against Aaron Rodgers. Because you know what? It didn't matter in the end. They got clobbered. They should have given themselves the best opportunity to put up points against a top-tier QB. That's what Nagy didn't do. That's what Harbaugh did. And guess what? They both lost. So why not take the risk? That's my two cents on the topic. At Danny Burke 5, fire your, uh, your hatred toward me because I know a majority of you probably disagree. But that is the era or the new age that I believe the NFL will start gravitating toward. It is. Brandon Staley, prime example of it. And I think it's going to pay off in the end. Maybe not this year, but down the road it will. All right, that's the big rant. Sorry for it if you hated it. Sorry for it if you couldn't care less or you've been sick of hearing about it. But let's talk Bears and Vikings finally here for Monday Night Football. Updated lines for the game has moved largely in favor of the Vikings. Maybe not largely, but enough. Up to 6.5 at-bat Rivers. Money line for Minnesota, minus 278. Bears catching plus 240. The total, we were telling you, time after time again, look at 44 over because now it is 45 and a half shaded to the over, minus 112. Under is minus 109. The latest players to be added to the COVID list. Jalen Johnson uh, to Sean Gibson. You already have Allen Robinson, Jesse James, Eddie Jackson, Eddie Goldman on there, uh, Kamara, Burns, Edwards, and some others. The coordinators are out, but it looks like Sean Desai, he's going to be playing, I believe, or playing. I mean, he's going to be coaching, I believe, and be on the sidelines. So you get a little bit back if you're the Bears, but is <laughs> is that going to be enough to warrant any faith in them? I I just don't know. But look, the Bears are depleted on the defensive side of the ball, and even if they were healthy, yeah, you could advocate for taking the points with the Bears, but could you do it now? Do you have faith in them now? And the easy answer is no, but for some reason, I'm actually not hating the idea of taking the points because it's the Vikings, and because offensively, the Bears actually have their guys who they need. Allen Robinson, do they need him? No. Offensive line, do they need it? Yes, but have they had it? No, so it doesn't really change too much. You need David Montgomery, you need Darnell Mooney, and you need to get Cole Komet involved. You need to get some of your speedy receivers involved too. And if you can be a little bit tricky, if you can be unique, Matt Nagy, be you, but not in the bad way you, the first season coaching the Bears you, then the Bears can honestly cover this game and even have a chance to win it. And a part of it is because of the talent that they still have with their skill players. But another major part of it is because of the Vikings' inept ability to close out games, win comfortably, and really put the pedal down to the metal to just suffocate their opponents. They don't do that. And they haven't had success against the Bears in the Nagy era. It's going to be hard to imagine they do on prime time in this game. Will it shock me if they win by double digits? Nope, because it's the Bears. Will it shock me if the Bears are in a position to win this game outright? Nope, because it's the Vikings who have every game come down to one possession if somehow this line gets up to 7 which i don't think it will but if it does how do you not take the bears there total at 45 and a half i'm not as interested in playing it but i do think it's going to be probably like a it could be like a 27 to 20 type of game minnesota wins 27 21 something like that 27, 23, 24, anything like that, I think is where we could see, because the Vikings are going to put up points. We would assume, even if the Bears were a little bit healthier defensively, but they're not, and the Vikings have a solid offense, especially if Thielen's playing, tagging him along with Jefferson, Osborne, Delvin Cook, Madison. It's fine. Delvin looked great in the last game. It's not a short week for them, or it wouldn't be anyways. They had the long week, long week, excuse me, because they played on Thursday, two Thursdays ago. They're ready. They're they're sick of this narrative in every game being close. They will go and try to keep pushing down the pressure. But does that mean you should lay six and a half? I don't know. Maybe you tease them down is probably your best route if you want to bet Minnesota. Updated numbers on the first half, really quick. We talked about the first half three-way line. The Vikings were like minus one fifty-seven. Now they're minus one eighty-two. So hopefully you jumped on it earlier if you did, which we discussed on Friday. The Vikings are eight, four and one on the first half money line. The Bears this season are six and seven. Spread is still the same, three and a half in favor of Minnesota. Bears covering three in the hook this year are seven and six ATS, though. Vikings, if they were laying three in the hook, six and seven ATS total points for the first half. That altered moved up from 22 and a half to 23 and a half, now shaded to the under minus 124. Vikings have gone over 23 and a half first half points in 6 out of 13 games. Bears have still only gone over it at 3 out of 13 games. With the number at 22 and a half though, this is how big it changes. If the number was set at 22 and a half, which it was on Friday, the Vikings would be 8 and 5 to the over. Okay. Now that it's at 23.5, they're 6-7, and two-game difference. So keep that in mind. 23, somewhat of a significant number in the first half. At least for Minnesota, it has been. Total points for each team. Bears still at 9.5, which they've gone over in 5 out of 13 games. But the Vikings have allowed opponents over this mark in 10 out of 13 games. Vikings' first-half team total points bumped up from 12.5, where they were 8-5 and five to the over. Now at 13.5, again, a two-game difference, they are 6-7. and seven. Bears have allowed opponents over this mark in just 4 out of 13 games. Because, remember, you take off the Rams game, who had 13, so another favor on the side of the Bears, potentially. I still lean over with the Vikings to get 14 points, minus 113. Obviously, a 12 and a half would be a lot more deal because we love that a lot. But I, I still think you lean over with the Vikings with the first half total. I'm not in love with it as much anymore one way or the other. I still think the Vikings probably get up to a lead, but I'm just not. I, I'm kind of switching my mind on the overall sense of this game because I'm thinking the Bears could actually have a pretty good offensive performance. Does that mean I'm backing them to do so with their team total in the first half or full game? Hell no. But there's something in the back of my mind that thinks that that could be the case. So I'm really not loving anything as much in the first half at this point. But let's talk anytime touchdown scores. I'll talk about this on my show Rush Hour 2 if you want it. Um, if you just want more updated numbers to a more extent, get other people's thoughts with a guest on my show, etc. 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN and many other outlets like I always state. At Danny Burke 5 on Twitter for more info. But look, anytime touchdown scores to keep in mind. Two interesting notes. Bears have allowed 24 passing touchdowns to their opponents this year. But they have only thrown 12 themselves. The Vikings have 27 passing touchdowns offensively. So who do we look at for an anytime touchdown for Minnesota? Justin Jefferson, the big man. Yes, you could. He's got eight touchdowns this year, but you're laying a price with him for an anytime touchdown, which I don't like to do, and I avoid that. Thielen, if he's healthy, he does lead the team in receiving touchdowns with 10 plus 185 for an anytime touchdown big red zone threat his favorite target kirk cousins is adam thielen if you're getting plus money and he's playing look for him plus 185 also if you just want some more value in a guy who could be a red zone threat kj osborne he's got four plus 210 anytime touchdown so keep that in mind on the side of minnesota as for the bears montgomery In three career games versus Minnesota, he has three rushing touchdowns. This season, he has four rushing touchdowns, and the Vikings have allowed 12 rushing touchdowns to opponents this season. And because you're still getting a little bit of plus money with Monty, I think considering him plus 112 anytime touchdown could be a viable play. they got to filter the offense through him. They just have to in the first half. More on that later. Another guy, bigger value, been a bigger threat in the red zone. Seldom, but it happens. Jimmy Graham, plus 550 anytime touchdown. He's got two receiving touchdowns this season. Both have happened in the last two out of three games. He is getting utilized more so in the red zone. Vikings have allowed four receiving touchdowns to tight ends in the last four games. Your thoughts may be all over the place on Jimmy Graham. You want Cole Komet to finally get his receiving touchdown. I get it. But plus 550 for a guy who's getting thrown in the end zone, too. Hard to ignore. Maybe a little bit of lunch money, half unit, whatever you want, chump change, whatever you're calling it, baby. Jimmy Graham could be the guy. Cole Komet's a little bit over three to one. That's still an interesting proposition to consider Cole Komet if he could finally get his first one. Could happen. Justin Fields was like, I let me double check on Justin Fields. I think he was a little over two dollars, like plus two ten or something like that for any time touchdown score. And it seems like it would always be a good bet plus 280. So it's good value. I wouldn't disagree if you liked it. But he does only have two rushing touchdowns this season. How much is he going to put his body on the line in the red zone? He'll probably need to, but I'm not really in love with betting that, but I don't think it's a bad proposition to to lean that way. Team totals, we discussed this on Friday. Bears' team total at 19.5, shaded to the over, minus 120. Bears have gone over that mark in 7 out of 13 games, and Minnesota have allowed opponents over this mark in 10 out of 13 games. The three opponents who didn't, Seattle got 17, Cleveland got 14, and Detroit got 17 in their first matchup. I could see going for the over, but again, I'm probably staying away from that one. I like the Vikings' team total because when we were talking about it, It was 24.5, and and I was like, man, if you get a 24 or lower and you're paying more for it naturally, I would be all over that. Well, now it's at 26.5, shaded to the under, minus 115 at Bet Rivers, the over, minus 106. So the Vikings have gone over 26.5 in 8 out of 13 games. When it was at 24.5, they have gone over that in 9 out of 13 games because they have gotten 26 ones. But remember, the last 6 games, the Vikings are averaging 30 points per game and the bears are allowing about 30 points per game their last 7 games. But the bears have held opponents under 26 and a half in 7 out of 13 games. Packers got 24 the first matchup, so something to keep in mind it was pretty close. Ravens played without Lamar Jackson, so maybe those numbers could be a little bit different. It would be a little bit more different cuz the Ravens remember got 26. So if it was at 24 and a half, it would be just 6 out of 13 games. I think we see at least 27 points from the Vikings, so I would lean over, but man, I really wish we got that 24, and I would have paid more. for. I probably would have paid like $1.30 for it at the highest, but we didn't, and it is what it is. We'll look for an in-game betting opportunity there. All right, Uh, let's talk a little bit of props here, and then in the second leg of this episode, we'll talk some bulls. We'll give our final predictions and just recap all our best bets but i might as well cap off this first part with some props for monday night football david montgomery i'm thinking he has a big game i'm thinking he needs to have a big game the vikings rank 26 in dvoa run defense they are allowing 130 rushing yards per game and allow the second most yards per carry to opponents 4.7 why would Montgomery not get a brunt to the workload? Well, because Nagy refuses to use him in the right spots. We know this, but my goodness, I am praying that Nagy finally does it correctly. You have to, have to, have to use Montgomery efficiently, consistently in the first half. Your defense is banged up. Control the clock. Take advantage of the weaker part of Minnesota's defense. Keep your defense off the field. Let Montgomery control this game as you have done in the past, but in the wrong situations, this is the right one. Vikings have a pretty good pass defense. Run defense are abysmal. Now, this season, Montgomery's already averaging about 16 carries for 67 rushing yards per game. He's getting about 4.2 yards per carry. He's gone over this mark in just 5 out of 9 games, but he's gotten shafted in several of them because of Nagy. Consider last week, 10 of 42 overall in the game, but just had one freaking carry in the second half. Nine opposing running backs have gone over this mark versus the Vikings. It should be 10 after this game because I think Montgomery can at least get 60-plus. He should be getting about 75-plus if all things go according to plan with how the Bears should scheme. But Montgomery over 59-and-a-half would play 60-and-a-half too because I know that number's out there. But look for him over that mark for his rushing yards. Let's talk Justin Fields and his rushing yards, 40-and-a-half. In the last six games, Fields is averaging 7.5 carries, 53.5 rushing yards, and 7 yards per carry. He has gone over 40.5 in four games this season. And you can make the argument, look, he's banged up his ribs, he's not going to want to risk it, all that, yada, yada, yada. But last week versus Green Bay, still managed 7 carries for 74 rushing yards. And looking more into context, the games he didn't go over, well, versus Baltimore, He had just four carries and 23 yards. That's because he didn't play the whole second half. He was on pace, and he just missed it versus Tampa Bay in a game where he's going to get anything going, and they needed to pass it, but he still had eight carries, 38 yards, just missed it in that game. I'm thinking the Vikings will be a little bit more vulnerable. If their pass defense is going to be more successful, Fields is going to have to be creative and improvise somehow, use his legs, and create space that way. And if you hear the dog barking in the background, apologies. Uh, My sister's dog is a loudmouth. So, uh, yeah, she's pretty vocal about Justin Fields and his rushing yards, clearly, for this game. Uh, Pass completions for the Fields. I think this is an intriguing prop bet to consider. I played it over because... If you look at a seven-game sample size with Fields, you're not counting the Browns game where they literally couldn't get anything going. You're not counting the Ravens game where he was injured. He's averaging 16.5 completions, and he's gone over it in four out of seven games. Now, the Vikings defensively are allowing their opponents over 22 completions per game, 65% completion rate in the last three games for the Vikings. 10 out of 13 opposing quarterbacks have gone over 17.5 completions against Minnesota. Jimmy Garoppolo being one of them, and Baker Mayfield, they run a lot, and they didn't need to pass it. Sam Darnold, I think, was the other one, and that's Sam Darnold, who got 17. But I think Fields is, yeah, the Bears are probably going to be trailing, and you will have to pass it. And you're getting a good bang for your buck on Fields. I know he doesn't cruise over by any means. There's a reason why it's that low, but I think this is a game where you could see him get about 19 to 20 completions. Let the kid sling it in the second half get a good mix of Montgomery and then Fields doing safe precise throws. Fields over 17 and a half completions along with him over 40.5 and a half rushing yards. Let's talk Delvin Cook really quick. His receiving yards prop is 15 and a half. If you look around some places it's like 17 and a half. I wouldn't play it over 17 and a half. That's the highest I'd go. But the 15 and a half, I did pay more, minus 125. He's gone over this mark in six out of 10 games overall. However, he's gone over this more recently in the last four games, and in that four-game span, he's averaging 4.3 receptions and 33 and a half receiving yards. Bears defensively are allowing opposing tailbacks four and a half catches and 33 receiving yards per game. 11 opposing running backs have gone over this mark versus Chicago. He has gone over this mark in four out of five career games versus the Bears. No Madison. Gullman, a new addition to the team. Cook is getting a majority of the throws. And yes, the Bears secondary is banged up, but if they can limit some of the threats downfield where all the focus is going to be, what does that open up? Checkdowns. Delvin Cook. Screens. Delvin Cook. Open space for Mr. Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook over 15.5 receiving yards would play that up to about 17.5. All right, here's a prop that... I really want to play, and maybe I'll just throw a little bit on it, but I don't like the price, and I don't like trusting it, even though I should. But Darnell Mooney over three and a half receptions. Minus 148 was the cheapest number, and that's not cheap, of course. But it just seems like anytime I lean with Mooney in like the latter half of this season, it has not gone according to plan. But he is averaging four catches on over seven targets per game. He's gone over three and a half receptions in eight out of 13 games. And what is... Interesting to note is the difference when Robinson is not playing, which will be the case tonight. In games without Allen Robinson, being Baltimore, Detroit, Arizona, in those three games, Mooney has been averaging five catches, over 10 targets, and 90 receiving yards per game. Granted, two of those games, well, more than two, I guess, two and a half, were because of Andy Dalton being quarterback. But there have been spots where Fields, as we know, loves Darnell Mooney, but also every opposing lead receiver has gotten at least four catches versus Minnesota, except for the San Francisco 49ers, a game where they were just running the ball. Mooney should be able to get four. Keyword is should. But do I want to lay minus 148 to bank on a should with a guy who has had trouble dropping from time to time against the Vikings pass defense that is pretty good? The answer is probably going to be no. I don't want to trust it, but I might end up doing like a half unit on it. Remember, we're betting more so to risk, not to win. So I'm not betting like 148 to win 100. I'd bet 100 to win whatever the odds of 148 would be to be a little bit safer, just for an example. But I think Mooney, the safe bet, is over three and a half receptions. I'm just not rushing to lay that high of a price with a guy who can be volatile from time to time, but more so with a Bears offense that can be extremely viable, can be. It is extremely uh, volatile. Did I say viable? Volatile. Up and down, folks. Can't trust them. But that's the Bears' offense. So overall, the props I'm playing: Dalvin Cook over 15 and a half receiving yards, minus 125. Justin Fields over 17 and a half pass completions, minus 110. Over his rushing yards as well at 40 and a half at minus 110. And Mr. David Montgomery over 59 and a half rushing yards, minus 110. And a strong consideration for our guy Moondog Darnell Mooney over three and a half receptions, minus 148. Coming up next, second part of the Chicago CityCast presented by BetRivers. Rivers. I'll be talking Bulls and Rockets, maybe a prop bet. You can jump in there. My thoughts on the overall game and, well, thoughts on the overall game, final predictions for the Bears and the Vikings. Coming up next here on the Chicago CityCast. BetRivers Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self exclusion program. It must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 GAMBLER, 1 800 426 2537. The mid midseason football special is here, so put the VSEN betting experts to work for you. From now through February for only $99, you get daily best bet emails, 24 7 video streaming, along with betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in depth data and analysis, all on VSEN.com. Sign up today at VCN.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the entire football season for just ninety-nine dollars. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. All right, let's talk some bulls basketball here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, and we'll recap with our Assessment of Monday Night Football, but the Bulls coming off a big and great win again against the Los Angeles Lakers. You love to see it—a depleted Bulls team, a little bit depleted Lakers team. But Bulls first came back from COVID, couldn't script it any better. How about our guy DeMar DeRozan? Absolutely going off. He is on a tear. Absolutely needs to be in the top consideration for MVP. Is he? Is he the MVP? No, I'm not saying he is, but he needs to be in the consideration. I feel like that's a pretty unbiased take from an objective perspective in the association. But DeMar DeRozan, he's the first Bulls player over the last 25 years to score 50 points in the fourth quarter over a three-game span. How about it? The dude is on fire. It is great to have him back. We need the rest of the crew back. But at least they have a favorable matchup this evening against the lowly Houston Rockets. But maybe not their. They're not as lowly. I mean, they got on their winning streak, but look, they're two and three their last five games. This is a revenge spot for the Bulls who dropped an embarrassing game against them on the road, what, about a month ago at this point? But again, you are getting the Bulls on a second leg of a back-to-back, still missing Levine, still missing the and some other guys. So you got to monitor that injury, uh, just status, I guess, rather, is if you want to call it just a whole injury log at this point for the Bulls. So Levine, what a bummer. You don't get him until after Christmas. I guess it is what it is. You're not getting that many games in between anyways. Uh, same with Desumu. Derek Jones Jr. day-to-day it looks like. But here's the thing. Uh, look, the Bulls, yes, they probably win this game. They opened 8.5, but now it's down to like 6.5 at a lot of spots. at Rivers are 6.5-point favorites, minus 265 on the money line. Totals at 222.5. That hasn't really moved too much. Um, look, how do you think the Bulls respond here? And if it was a normal situation, the Bulls probably go out there and dominate because of that revenge angle and because they're just a far and away better team. This could be, like I always say, and I beat the dead horse with it, but a great in-game betting spot for the Bulls, more so than others, because the sharper side clearly is taking the points with the Rockets, pushing the line down. So either be patient, wait to get a better number, or uh, being pre-flop, or wait in-game, see how the Bulls are looking. After all of COVID, with the limited players on the second leg of a back-to-back after a tough, deep game against the top team, and then jump in on it. This is another game where we we will see the adversity and resilience of the Chicago Bulls. And I think they will come through. But I also think there's a better betting spot to obtain, and that's going to be during the course of this event. So let's be a little bit patient here. But if you want something before the game— I'm thinking that there's a prop, maybe one versus the other for the Bulls that could be decent to consider. Let's look at our guy, Alex Caruso. And you can do the player specials at BetRivers, points, rebounds, assists combined. Caruso's number is 19.5, shaded to the over, minus 127, under is about even money. So with Caruso... In last night's affair versus the Lakers, 17 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists. Does that mean he's going to replicate that? No, of course not, but he has to do more because the Bulls just need him. They are depleted, as we all know. But also take into account the first matchup against the Rockets. He dropped 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. So he was at 21, the props at 19 and a half. He hasn't gone over it a lot, but he has had some decent situations. And more so when they need to rely on him, he will go over it or has gone over it, and this is absolutely one of those spots. So there's a reason why it's shaded to the over. You know he's going to get those um, assists. You know he's going to be gritty and get the rebounds. Not a lot, but enough to push it over. If you can get like 14 points out of Caruso, if you can bank on that potentially, then I think you're pretty safe getting the rest over if you're looking at his points prop, it's 11 and a half, shaded to the under actually -127. He's gone over that, let's see, 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 times this year. Not a large sample size, but again, consider how the Bulls are depleted. Versus Miami when they were banged up, he got 22. Versus Charlotte, 14. Some recent games at Houston, remember he got 15 points. My point is, I think if you're looking for a prop that might be the best one. And you could be like, "Well, what about DeMar DeRozan?" Yes, we would all love to bet DeRozan's over, but now it's completely adjusted, 29 and a half, shaded to the under -127, over is even money. It's not going to surprise anyone if he drops 30 plus, that's for sure. But coming off COVID, second leg of a back-to-back, numbers inflated, eh, it's kind of hard to want to bet it over. That's where it's listed at right now. So let's wait in-game. And if you want a prop, consider Caruso over points, rebounds, and assists. In my opinion, that would be the top one, 19.5 to the over. But we'll wait for in-game. Hopefully we get one Chicago victory tonight at least. You probably care more about it being the Bears than the Bulls. But hey, for a legitimate playoff hope, the Bulls need it. We need it for our win total. Bear season's out the window. But it's different with a Bulls random game with already depleted versus the Bears team that we just desperately want to see a win. All right, but that's my thoughts for the Bulls matchup against the Rockets. If you like any other plays that I should consider, feel free to tweet at me at Danny Burke 5 would love to hear it. Final prediction for Monday Night Football, Bears and Vikings. I think I'm going to go with the Vikings get the job done. I think it's going to be a score of, I'll say 27-20, kind of like I said earlier. 27-20, 27-21, 20, right around there, but the final score... Vikings get the job done. Bears keep it relatively close in the first half. I say relatively. Well, or it could be a classic Vikings where they just go (laughs) off and then let them back in. But I think the Bears, again, here's the thing. If they are utilizing Montgomery, and I'm not just saying this because I hope he goes over his rushing yards prop. If they actually do, the Vikings are a team where it can be viable to focus on Montgomery. That will keep the game close against a team that already keeps every other game close. Let Montgomery eat. Come on, baby. And if they can do that, the Bears probably have a good chance of covering this game. But something at the end could happen bad, like the secondary inevitably getting exposed by the receiving threats that they have against the banged-up secondary that's already getting exposed when they're healthy. It's too much offensive firepower for Minnesota with Delvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Osborne, Conklin. It's just too much. It's probably not going to be the same Kirk Cousins that we've seen in the past make terrible decisions because you don't have an Eddie Jackson out there. You don't have a Kyle Fuller out there. You don't have even a Jalen Johnson out there. It's a new defense that Kirk Cousins can take advantage of. So, yeah, their offense will get the job done at the end. That's why we like a lot of their overs and the full game over, but you've kind of missed the best numbers as we stated earlier. But the Vikings will take care of business. It probably won't be comfortable. It never is. So that's why you maybe consider if you get a seven, take it with the Bears, or if you want to bet Minnesota, tease it down. But I'm loving those props that we discussed: Montgomery over 59 and a half rushing yards, Delvin Cook over 15 and a half receiving yards, Fields over 17 and a half completions and rushing yards 40 and a half. Best of luck with anything you play, especially if you're following any of our bets, whether it's the Bears game, Bulls games, or anything else. Thank you as always for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago City cast presented by Bett Rivers. If you want more up-to-date info on this game, be sure to follow my show Rush Hour. 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, vison.com, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, and the Marquee Sports Network at Danny Burke Fiverr. You can follow me on the tweets. Please be sure to like and subscribe. You can get updated when the episodes come out so you get the info as soon as possible. But guys, as always, very much appreciate you tuning in. Let's hopefully have a fun game where we could cash some winners, have a little bit of positivity around the Chicago team. Especially if you got that win total over, baby, or Bears money line. Let's hope for the best. Nagy, I'm putting a little bit of faith in you. Please don't prove me wrong like you typically do. And we'll love you if you cash us some props, baby. All right. But like I said, enjoy the game. We will talk again tomorrow with our post-game reaction. Not going to be immediate post-game, but in terms of the next day post-game. So we'll be excited to see what what that reaction is going to be, I suppose. But until then, take care and best of luck, everybody. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking?